Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Almost Better Than Silence. I'm your host, Doug Coleman, and I'm here today with the other co-host, Brenda McCullough, and it's another edition of the Bullshit Hour with Doug and Brent. No, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we can't call it that because that's about 70% of our backlog. Like, that's, that's true. Most episodes. But I just felt like, uh, since you and I are on a roll here, keeping the hosting alive, I just thought we needed to give a new title to the show. But no, it's <laughs> it's still almost better than silence. It's still about video games. This is a video game podcast, believe it or not. Uh, we're going to talk about the games we've been playing lately. I actually have been playing a little bit here and there. But I do want to give people an update about like what's been going on like in our lives and stuff real quick before we dive into that. <laughs> no. uh, how, how are you... Brand, what's going on in your life (laughs) that's fair Um, i mean it's still pandemic mode still pandemic still lockdown um my my teeth started hurting so i'm trying to cut back on the sugary snacks and sodas doing a little good this weekend uh so far today i've eaten four large sugar cookies and drank nothing but iced tea so Uh uh-oh maybe not good maybe not good (laughs) better than (laughs) usual (laughs) Uh, it's not soda i can say that at least oh well Uh, i'm Guilty it's, of drinking soda. Mountain Dew is so good, but it's also just like acidic garbage. Yeah, I love my choice is Dr. Pepper, which is apparently the sugariest thing on the planet. Like it's the even among soda, it's like one of the worst. So. Yeah, as soon as you drink one, you've had like a hundred percent of your sugar intake for the day. Yeah, I just need that like two months clean of like no soda. So when you take one, you're like, oh, this is just poison, and like, yeah, your body rejects it now. Like I got to reset my body that way. So. Um, but yeah, there's a legendary bakery around, around where I am up in North Hollywood called Porto's. It's like a Cuban bakery. And because of the quarantine, I can actually get in there and order stuff now because it's like curbside pickup and you don't have to wait in line in long ass lines. Hell yeah. So this is actually the most I've ever had of the place because it's the only time I can devote less than two hours waiting in line for it. That's insane. Um, it's like it looks like a goddamn amusement park. If you see the line like outside the building and it's zigzagging inside the building, like it's so busy. Um, but the problem is they have a twenty dollar minimum for pickups. Okay. For, for LA, that wouldn't be that bad. It'd be like one sandwich and a drink and an appetizer or a side order or something. But surprisingly, they're a lot cheaper than I remember because I just went in there so rarely. So twenty dollars got me a Cuban sandwich, four potato like these like fried potato balls they make like croquettes um so cuban sandwich for those potato balls um two like pastry things which is like fruit uh ganache in the center and stuff and uh 14 cookies damn so that was like barely hitting the 20 dollar minimum like i think it was like 22 dollars like without tax or something so i'm just like i i wanted the sandwich i didn't want anything else (laughs) No, this but you're stuck now. That's awesome. I, yeah, I I got all the cookies like frozen and stuff because yeah, it's, it'll take me a bit. But I ate four of them today, so maybe not. Gotta love that curbside pickup. I know Sheets, the local gas station, implemented Ooh. that around Ooh. me. Oh, dude, Ooh. are you a, a Wawa person? I know you Hell are. Yes. It's been, no, Hell it's yes. it's always been Sheets versus Wawa, and I'm a diehard Sheets fan. And they implemented the curbside pickup, and it's so simple. Like you go on their app, you order their food, you do a check in when you get there, and they just run out the food. It was uh, incredibly easy and fast. So take that, Wawa. I'm sure they're going to implement <laughs> something like that soon. Well, that's, I'm, I was talking with a friend of mine, um, especially out here in L.A., because it's so car-centric. I wouldn't be surprised if after all this, you know, lightens up and the quarantine lockdown's not as extreme, if some places don't keep the curbside, curbside pickup. Right. Because 
especially in LA, you got a, you got very little room inside the building you're renting because no one can own land out here because it's so expensive. Yeah. So you can only have so many people inside and it gets really packed really quick. Um, and even they said even after all this is done, you might still have regulations of like keep six feet apart and all that stuff. Um, but if you can have everyone just go into the parking lot and just have one person or two people running in and out, like doing drop offs, like, you know, on roller skates or something like Sonic or yeah. you know, the old rest, the old diners, like that might be easier for a lot of places. So I wouldn't be surprised if curbside stick a, sticks around after all this. I really see it sticking around for sheets because it's just also that that's the thing. They try to make it super convenient with like the ordering on the app and then you uh, can like show up in the store and that's the thing. Everyone else is dicking around waiting for their orders. It's like, I ordered with my app and you're out of there real quick. So yeah. the fact that they're doing this curbside stuff, that's just making it even easier for people that are trying to be in and out as quick as possible. <laughs> it's like it's like t- uh, telecommuting from for work or like working from home. It's all these places that say like, oh, no, like the bakery I went to was notorious for like you have to order in person. You can't even order on the phone. So like you could. You go to a special counter that's just ordering ahead for, like, cakes and stuff, but even then you have to go in person and in line. It's a smaller line, but still line. So, like, places like that where it's like, no, you have to be in person, or, like, you know, we don't take phone orders. So, all of a sudden, there's a quarantine, and everyone can order online or through an app or something. It's very convenient. It's almost like they always could have done this. Yeah, right? (laughs) And it's just like, God, this would have been... Why why didn't you do it earlier? Oh, man. Well, this is... Turning into a food podcast, but no, that's, I was <laughs> that's, going to, that's the biggest thing that's going on in my <laughs> life for the last like month. Hey, I can't blame you. That's actually exciting. Uh, that I do have exciting news. I remember I was telling listeners in previous weeks that a giant tree fell on my shed and destroyed everything inside. I had some guy come out and remove the trees. And now like all I have is this destroyed shed in the way, but I was able to get into like the one area, like part of it standing. And I was able to salvage my tractor and my snow blower. So nice. it's just excited that those made it and uh just got to get in touch with the insurance company to figure out what we're going to do and replace that i think what we really want to do is put a garage there now because it's like might as well take this opportunity and do an upgrade but uh just glad we're making progress for the because for the past like two weeks i just had like these giant trees sitting on my shed and i am the spectacle of the neighborhood and my my (laughs) fucking grass was getting so tall brent it was like absolutely i felt like such a shit exactly so now that i had that out today i I mowed immediately and it just feels much better i'm like okay we're getting somewhere (laughs) that house that looks abandoned but people actually still yes right exactly but uh that was cool yeah, that's good. Yeah, talking to my parents, it sounds like you guys are getting a bunch of rain over there. So, yeah, I can only imagine. That's the thing. The way the tree fell, it actually left another damaged tree standing that was like a big hazard. And for the <laughs> longest time, I was like, oh, no, if we get another storm, we're going to have another one fall. But yeah. that guy actually came today and took that one down. And it was pretty impressive seeing like his process of like throwing these ropes up there, like trying to make it go down one specific angle. And in fact, my wife caught it on video and it was like really cool because this tree's like fucking at least 100 feet tall and just weighs like probably like two tons or something like it's really uh, uh thick trunk yeah, yeah, yeah. got a thick ass tree god damn it okay we can Don't move on to the video tree. games yeah that's Those the thing big Sorry. Old branches Ooh. <laughs> listeners hopefully they care about how we're doing in this uh world but that's the thing games i've been playing 
Dragon Ball Z Kakarot again, and I'm really loving it. And I was looking at my save data, and I haven't played since March, and I'm like, why the <laughs> fuck did I take such a long break from this game? For some reason in my brain, I'm like, oh, I'm stuck on this one fight. I wasn't. I just, like, log in, and it was like, oh, you just gotta go find launch. And there's this, yeah, so I must have just completely just forgot or something, and just was like, oh, I'll get back to it eventually. Now that I'm getting back to it, I'm like, fuck, I should have been playing this game this whole time. I fucking love Dragon Ball Z, and this feels like the perfect Dragon Ball Z for game for me to, like, relive the story and just, I don't know, the, the fighting's incredible. It's just the latest and greatest Dragon Ball Z game. So for anybody out there that's a Z fan, go check out Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's those games... I mean, Dragon Ball Z is such a massive franchise, and it's had so much shit and merchandise. I'm sure there's plenty of bad Dragon Ball Z games, but I know most that I've played have at least been like decent and entertaining enough because right. you know fighting's the core mechanic. They got to make that good and then just build everything else around it. Yeah, but the thing I'm less inclined to do, I don't, or the game I don't want it to be is more or less like a Mortal Kombat, but with Dragon Ball Z characters. Yeah. So like, I like it when it is very story driven. And in this case, like almost like open worldy where you're able to fly around and collect all sorts of shit. It is super nostalgic. In fact, where I am in the story, I just got to the Frieza saga. Like the opening just happened and I'm like, uh, Oh nice. my God, I feel like I'm in middle school. It's like crazy. Cause <laughs> I was like, it? yeah, the Ginyu force, like everything just Frieza. I don't, I want to say himself, but I don't know Frieza's gender. So regardless, uh, that character, Frieza. Frieza's, just, Frieza's pronouns are Frieza. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. Frieza's a narcissist. It's all yeah. about Frieza. <laughs> and they were just so intimidating. And the battle between them and Goku, I'm just super excited to get there at, in the game and like turn Super Saiyan for the first time. I'm I'm fucking having a blast. Yeah, I I am always so, Dragon Ball Z is definitely a big part of my life. It was probably the, the first anime I got into deeply, not the first one I saw, but the first one I really got into. Same. So, um, and you know, you're a kid at that age, you just ate that stuff up and you got full invested in stuff. And I always forget how much I actually remember of Dragon Ball Z until I was watching a stream or a video or something. And someone's talking about like, you know, May 9th is King Piccolo Day. Cause that's in the anime where he comes down and he, he takes over the city and says like, today is King Piccolo Day to remember when I conquered you. Yeah. Um, and it's also my brother's birthday coincidentally. So that's how I remember it. <laughs> and, um, Someone was talking about, like, oh, yeah, how's Piccolo? Like, Piccolo was cloned out of King Piccolo or something. It's like, oh, no, him, like, King Piccolo slipped into Kami and Piccolo. And I'm just, like, breaking the arms off my chair. I'm like, no, he's fighting Goku as a kid. And he spits out an egg. And you see it, like, come up his throat and out. Yeah. Disgusting. I'm and remembering Goku that scene. through his torso. And he spits Piccolo halfway across the world. And I was just like, it's moments like that, you know. No one wants to be the neckbeard on Reddit being like, oh, yeah, actually, you actually got <laughs> Like, no one wants to be that person. But, the, like, there are weird moments where something gets information wrong and you have this, like, visceral reaction. I'm yes. Like, no! Because your memory of it's so clear. <laughs> so it's just, like, crazy. But, like, oh, the, Dragon Ball Z is definitely one of those for me where it's, like, that unleashes, like, parts of my brain when people start talking about it. Yeah, you have that elephant memory for that show yeah it's it's like god i wish my brain used any of this for algebra or anything <laughs> useful anything. in life just anything else uh but i remember that namekians can create clothing out of thin air um yep. they can, anyway yeah, regenerate limbs piccolo fuse with nail and then kami and then did nothing ever again just bullshit 
Anyway, I won't get into that. It's all good, but that's what I mean. It That's what I'm finding myself, like, going down the whole just rabbit hole that is Dragon Ball Z. And I we were on Kame House Party, a podcast about Dragon Ball Z recently. I can't recommend our listeners go check that out. Uh, I can't recommend enough that you go check that out. I was going to say, yeah. there's one word you need Yeah, I, I need in that <laughs> sentence, but I'm just... <laughs> fucking up uh but no and that's another game i've been playing is animal crossing i know i there's not much to report but i think on the previous episode i said kurt moved out and i'm waiting for someone to move in finally someone moved in and it was this morning and i'm like oh god drum roll please please be someone that doesn't have a goddamn cranky attitude her name (laughs) is brie and she's a cute little mouse and i know we've said in the past like the mouse people aren't that great especially rizzo i was like get the hell out of here but Brie is adorable and I'm excited to have her on the island. So, and she just seems like a very just cutesy, like, well, I, sh- I stopped by her house to uh, introduce myself and she's like, oh, it looks like crap around here. I'm embarrassed. Stop by another <laughs> time. And I was like, oh, geez, I'm sorry. Oh, Brie, because she's a mouse and cheese. I got it. Um, oh, I didn't put that together at all. Well, because I know there's one mouse called Chatter, which is Cheddar. And he, but his skin, like the pattern on his like fur or whatever, looks like cheese. It looks like holes and cheese. It's kind of creepy, actually. Um, yeah, Bree's cute though. I think looking at her, I think I realized it's the eyes on the mouse characters in Animal Crossing because their head like narrows up top to give room for the ears. Yes, their eyes are usually really small and just dots. And then it, like uh, Rizzo and Chatter have the big buck teeth. Yep. Um, that might be just for the male mouses if Bree doesn't have it. Yeah, she um, does not. But she doesn't look as freaky because her eyes are bigger and more like everyone else in Animal Crossing, big cartoony anime eyes and stuff. So, like, I don't know. The models models for the mouse, the mice are a little odd, <laughs> to say the least. Yes, definitely. And, okay, did I – I'm not even sure this came up on the last episode or not, so uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but – I also had a visitor, that guy Rasher, the pig with the scars. I feel like I did mention that. Did I? I think so. Okay, my bad. But yeah, I was definitely not interested in Rasher. Yeah, in fact, I didn't even talk to him. So he didn't move in, thank God. But I did get free. <laughs> and I think, who is left? Oh yeah, I stopped. I was like, whose house is this? And I just walked in randomly and it was Croak, the toads. And man, he's got uh, yeah. some re- really weird decorations going on. I'm like, this guy's gotta <laughs> go. So only one more guy that I want to replace and then I'll have an island full of cute islanders. I like Croak. I like his design. Um it, yeah, it freaked me out with uh, Octavian when I got him because he's like a grumpy octopus character. Yeah. Just wears a black shirt that just says gold on it. And I was like, all right, I, I don't know. Your your house might be like sea oriented. You're an octopus. I don't really know. Maybe there's just eight of everything. I walk in and it's just a fucking moon. Like there's a UFO. There's an astronaut suit. There's a like scale model rocket. I'm just like, huh. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. <laughs> so. It's interesting when, like, they have themes. It's very obvious. Yes. And then there's, like, Octavian. We're just like, how, n- I would never have guessed you were a, and a space fan. Space That's boy. funny as hell. Yeah. Um, I haven't played uh, Animal Crossing since I uh, lost Raymond. That's understandable. He was the only thing to keep me because I didn't want to get rid of him <laughs> because he was so valuable. I felt guilty holding something that so many people wanted. Yeah, so, I'm holding one- out for one day to find him. We'll see. If I got, like, Lucky, who's, like, a mummy dog, or Coco, which is a hollowed-out corpse of a rabbit. Yeah, you did? Oh, God. No, I didn't. If I got them, I might still be playing, but like, <laughs> those are two I want. That, that, that's the, the everyone's least favorite, I feel like. That thing's what? just creepy. I don't no, know. You, Your you average want... player would probably not want that. 
I mean, Lucky's adorable because it's just a dog in, like, bandages. And you see the one eye, like, popping out. So, it's like, oh, he's cute Halloween if you like Halloween stuff. Coco, sure. I get why it's creepy because it just looks like a gingerbread cookie brought to life. Yeah. And it's just, like, hollowed out eyes. But, like, if you look up her stuff, her info, she actually is, like, supposed to be, like, a cream, like, uh, someone who was, like, cr- uh, cremated. And the ashes are made into this, like sculpture like it's a practice done Jesus i don't know if it's Christ. i don't what know kind if it's of in Japan. backstory is this shit like <laughs> i forget exactly what country it happens in um, it might i'm guessing japan just because that's where animal crossing is made but like yeah it's like this weird kind of fucked up like yeah she's supposed to be this hollowed out like creature and it's just like wow that's fucked up. I love it. <laughs> so, well, that's it. Just feels so out of place in Animal yeah. Crossing. But that's, I guess, that's why they're doing that for those fans. That's cool. Not for me. I don't want that <laughs> on my no, island. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, they've always had a little Easter eggs and stuff. If you didn't save the game right back in the first Animal Crossing, they took your face. So like, oh, they damn. always had some weird stuff. That's so, cool. Yeah. I did get the third arcade machine. Uh, they're very expensive, and it was just all happenstance of what items were showing up in my nook's cranny. Because, God, I have not played, like, multiplayer at, at all. Even though that's the game I have the most friends in as far as, like, Switch friends. That's I'm just very much... Done. Yeah, I just stick to my own island and just do my own thing. So I got to uh, reach out to some more friends and play more multiplayer stuff. But uh, I did get the arcade machines, and I have a little uh, arcade room. I was looking online, and, like, there's this one guy that had, like, this crazy one. And, yeah, apparently there's only three arcade machines, but there's a bunch of different pinball uh, arcade Mm. things and uh, other things you can collect. Yeah, and I'm sure there's always a bunch of different uh, variations on the colors. So I know. Yeah. I have people come to my island and are like, holy shit, you got the pink vending machine? Like, it's, like, a soft pink color, and, like, I had the buy a bunch of those and send those out to friends because I guess I guess that one's rare. People just like that better. Yeah. So it's it's cool that you can like remodel stuff and like take it to the crafting table and change the pattern on it. Um but it's weird what stuff you can do that with and what stuff you can't. Because most of the time re remodeling it is just changing the color or pattern on there. Sometimes you can put a custom pattern on there, which is fun. But yeah, yeah I'm always surprised which ones are like, you know, the vending machine. It's just anyone can buy it. Everyone has it in their like, uh, you know, PC thing at the the ATM sort of thing in the town center. Um, everyone can get a vending machine, but the rare one, you know, depending on what color you get, ooh, that's what's rare. Yeah, it's like I don't, I don't. Know, it all looks the same, but I mean, I guess that's the people building specific themes and what, yeah, you know, that's um, what they're really hyper specific looking for. <laughs> yeah, so I think my friend was doing one with like all the cherry blossoms and like getting a very Japanese like area in her like island and like you know the cherry blossoms pink work with the vending machines which are very prevalent in japan so i think she i think that's why she wanted it so yeah it's it's always interesting i i think that's kind of why i stopped playing animal crossing i don't give a shit (laughs) i'm (laughs) I'm very practical and they're like oh you can redesign your whole island to like showcase your skeleton all the skeletons you have from like fossils you found that are duplicates i was like i could but why yeah, no, no one, no one's coming over to see that shit, and I don't give enough to, of a shit to actually do it. So I'm just like, yeah, I, I gave a, you know, I got a money room with all my clothes hanging up. I got a haunted, creepy basement. I got a turtle room just filled with turtles. I'm done. Yeah, that's all I needed. That's understandable. There's definitely a threshold, and I'm gonna reach it soon. Yeah. Anytime I see someone doing the terraforming, I'm like, that's way too much work. <laughs> 
Oh my god, yeah. It, I like I said on a previous episode, I just like cleared out part of like my northern island just so I could 360 my map. And that's a like complaint I have. Like there's never any fish on the upper like the northern part of my island. Like well, you're not supposed to be able to get to there like because uh, it's like it's like fossils appearing behind houses and trees. Right. Most people wouldn't be able to see them because the camera can't move, so they uh, don't spawn there. Like it's coded but, so that they won't spawn there. And the same with the fish. That's I get it, but I also they shouldn't do that. They should. I don't know. They should also because then if you're just like trying to uh, fish as much as possible, you'd be able to literally just walk around the island entirely. But they make it so yeah, you can only fish on the sides and the bottom. I mean, you can just walk up and down the coast and the fish will repopulate. I, I do do know. that. Usually, I usually just do like a U-shape now, but it would be nice to do the circle. It's nit- super nitpicky. I mean, if you catch a great white shark, but you can only catch one of those a month, and the one happens to appear up on the north side of the island where you didn't see it, I mean, people would be pissed off. That's true. So, I think it's reasons like that where it's like, yeah, you get the three sides, you catch everything there, so. Yeah, that, that reasoning works for me. Yeah. Um, and then the last game I've been playing, I did say last time though, uh, was Monument Valley. I beat that like in a day. And <laughs> the fourth then, time. well, listen, there's like the DLC called Forgotten Shores. And I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure on my previous one, I had bought that. And it was like saying like, buy it now. I'm like, I don't think I'm going to do that because, uh, I've, I've already played it and I just don't feel like spending money again. But then yeah. I went into the settings just randomly and it was like, restore your purchases. And I'm like, of oh. course, of course I want to do that. Why, <laughs> why wouldn't, well, why would you let me buy the game again before knowing that that was an option? So I ended up hitting that and then, yeah, I had the Forgotten Shores DLC. So I was like, all right, I'll play through this again because I already have it and I just didn't know. Um, but yeah, and then there's another thing they did add since I had been playing all those years ago and it was just like a one-off game or one-off level they did that was originally designed for charity and it's called Ida's Dream or Ida's Dream, I believe is probably how you pronounce it, I-D-A. But it's the main character, and it's just an additional level that's, like, one of the more complex ones that you'll find towards the end of the game, where it's just multifaceted, uh, many different rooms. As you complete one puzzle, it's like, oh, you've done one of four, and then you complete all four, and then it opens up a final section where you go or something. But, uh, it's just phenomenal games like if you enjoyed monument valley and didn't get around to playing eat his dream check that out it's a free little extra level and yeah i do intend on playing monument valley too just because i love those games so much but man it's been (laughs) so long i'm pretty sure monument valley 2 has like different character sets and i'm trying to recall if like the tower character makes an an appearance i'm pretty sure it does i i don't think i ever played the second one yeah it's it's like almost like a they, there's another like Ida has a daughter or something I forget it's I'll revisit it soon. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird to wrap a narrative around a game that has no real dialogue. Right, it's like to solve these puzzles exactly. Yeah. It's nice little brain <laughs> teasers for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, it's definitely one of the big ones. I mean, it's popular for a reason. It's still going. So I would love yeah. to see a Monument Valley three someday. We'll see. Uh, just wait until Hollywood gets its hands on it and makes a Monument Valley live well, action movie. What the fuck is that going to be? It's just I don't like, know. God damn it! They've tried for they've tried with less. They've made a Battleship movie starring yeah. Liam Neeson, uh, Channing Tatum, and I think Rihanna. So that that's insane. I just it's just like M C Escher the game. So they're like, let's just make M C Escher the movie. <laughs> They'll throw some. F- fucking plucky little kids in there and have them chasing after their dog that got lost in this weird parallel dimension and you know fucking there you go they meet Ida 
uh, um, it, it basically writes itself because those movies are very poorly written and schlocky and hell. Yeah. So, yeah. But that's the games I've been playing. How about you, Bren? I have been just elbow deep in Yakuza 0. That's just, oh, that's right. Yeah, I was talking to a friend of mine. And, you know, some of my complaints, she's like, oh, maybe you might be a little burnt out. Maybe like do variety. And I realized I'm like, no, I think it's because of my the big backlog I have on Steam. I just like lock into a game and I don't play anything else until I finish it. So I'm just like, I, you know, I'm done with Animal Crossing. It's just like, now it's Yakuza and I play nothing else until Yakuza's done. So, uh, yeah, just trudging through that. I actually have nice. it minimized right now while we're recording in the background <laughs> because I'm actually at the end of it. I believe I finished the last two like final bosses. Oh, shit. Um, it's just the end game like cutscenes, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll tell Doug like ten more minutes and I'll finish them. I was like, no, no, these like my biggest complaint is all the fucking dialogue in this. The cutscenes are going to be like forty minutes minimum. Like it's going to be a while, right? So, um, yeah, so I'm pretty much finishing it up. Uh, I was going to finish it last night, and so I talked about it before. He plays Kiryu on the one side and uh, Majima on the other side. I was going to finish it up last night because I knew I was close. And then I got wrapped up in doing the host club stuff with Majima. So the confusing part for me is like his basic story is he runs the Grand Cabaret, which is this uh, cabaret. No, he runs the Grands, which is a cabaret club. No, hold on. The terms are specific. Sorry. Okay. He runs the Grand, (laughs) which is which is a cabaret. It's a very large uh, like business with shows and stuff and drinks. You could talk with girls and stuff. And then one of the side missions is he runs a cabaret club, which apparently is something different. It just seems like a smaller cabaret. I don't, it, it, they talk about the differences a lot, and I really still don't know the differences. I feel like you're like Charlie Day being like, I'm a full-on rapist trying to say philanthropist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it feels like that. Um, so like here you, you run like a real estate, and that's like a mini game where you're just buying up properties, and then stuff pops up. But, like, that, you don't do anything with that. You just go into your office, you just, you know, invest in some properties, you change out some of the staff on there, and then that's it. You don't see anything. Yeah. Majima's big mini game. I talked about it, you unlock, like, halfway through the game, is the Cabaret Club. And that's, like, Diner Dash, where, like, cu- customers come in, you put them at a table, you put a girl with them, uh, you cater to all their needs, you try to impress them to get as much money you can out of them. Yep. And, but, like... Kiryu and Majima, like, the whole thing is they parallel each other through the whole game. So even the minigames parallel each other. Uh, hmm. Where you have to defeat the five businesses that are already established and are bigger than you. So you have to work your way up from nothing and beat down the, you know, real estate kings and then the you know, the five-star clubs in the area for Majima. And the Kiryu's real estate ones were just boring as shit, and I just never did that. The problem is that unlocks more moves for you in your combat for your oh, skill sets. Damn. So because I didn't do that, Kiryu was kind of limited or at least more limited than Majima because um, his uh, hostess club minigame was actually fun and I actually got like pretty into it and I did like, I'm going to say like 70% of it all last night. Like I did a little bit and then I just blew through it last night and did it for like six hours. Damn. Um, and it is fun because like you connect with like, you have these platinum, st- like platinum level skill hostess and like they're girls you they're the best girls in your club and you connect with them. You do training sessions with them and stuff. And I realized that's just a harem for Majima because all of them slowly fall in love with you yep. as you train them. So I was just like, Oh God damn it. Like I was enjoying getting to know them because I like ensemble cast stuff. 
but then all of them slowly just fall in love with Majima by the end of it, and like you do a quest for them, and it's like, oh, you won their heart. It's like, ah, god damn, fuck, I don't want this. Yep. Um. So, uh, but the 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 coasting club is actually like a much more fun mini game and stuff, especially once you get the hang of it. Um. So I did all that last night, and then today I'm finishing up the story, and I realized the pacing with like the main story missions, it's just everything feels so urgent. Where it's like you got to do this right away. But plot uh, time only passes when you're in plot relevant stuff, which is why hmm. I'm at the crux of the end. I'm at the climax. I'm going in for the big final battle, and then I spend eight hours running a host club, like and then right. I just fuck around like serving drinks to drunk like businessmen in Japan. So like that's something where I I wasn't pacing it out well enough. I wasn't doing all the side bullshit well enough. I was going from just plot mission to plot mission to plot mission. Yeah, I'm doing so, that with Dragon Ball right now, and my Gohan is super underleveled. Fuck. Yeah, stuff like that happens where I'm like, oh man. But like, you know, my biggest complaint is all these side stories where they all got fucking back. So they're all sad. Here's the music, but da da da, and it's like I, I'm out. I don't just mashing the you know X button to skip through all the dialogue because I don't fucking care about <laughs> everyone's backstory. Because they're all the same. It's like, this guy's an asshole. But he's not. But he is. But he's not. It's like, no, he like, out of the context of the game, he is still. So, like, the main guy on Majima's side who's running the host, trying to destroy you, and he's trying to take down your club, and then the Grand, who's the other club you also run. He's like, my mom used to work for the Grand. And then she got accused of stealing. And then they kicked her out and fired her. And then blacklisted, so no one hired her. And then she killed herself. And I want revenge. And it's just like, Cool. I'd, yeah. give a shit, I'd give a shit more if this wasn't the exact same story I've heard for seven other NPC side story <laughs> quests. Like, it's the same bullshit. Like, apparently suicide's very prevalent in the 80s in Japan. Yeah, Because there's a lot of side stories that involve someone killing themselves and someone else wants revenge. Uh. So, like, I just didn't care. Um, so I just burned through that. And then, like, yeah. The, but doing all the side hosting stuff really like stood out to me because hey, it was fun but you're running the side business like to help out the other guy who's the owner but Manchima is also the manager of the grant which is a giant cabaret club but you never go there you never do anything with it but apparently <laughs> it's the most successful cabaret in the entire city but i'm just like i i thought i'd do more stuff in the grant like i thought i'd now that i'm finishing the game i thought that would be a bigger part right but that's that's just like his backstory that's just you know background like i guess he works there sometimes um but now that i'm finishing this game i'm realizing the entire story of yakuza zero takes place in like a week maybe two what yeah it it feels like it goes on forever because you have so much side stuff but like i said the time doesn't pass unless you're in the story missions so in context of the story it's like maybe two weeks at most because the it starts off with a uh, kiryu being framed for a murder and like through different stuff, they say, like, we can keep the cops off your back for, like, a week. But after that, you have to figure shit out. And then the week runs out, and then you have, like, two more days. So, like, all of this insane, insane shit happens in, like, the course of a week. This one guy, Kiryu, buys out, like, his entire city and all of its real estate and takes on all the kings there in, like, a week. So, it's just, like, yeah. this is nuts. Um, so, I'm finishing it. I'm enjoying it. It is good. It is objectively a fantastic game. They put a ton of effort into it. The pores on Kiryu Majima's faces are so detailed. I'm getting tr- my tryptophobia is triggering because it's just like it's too. I see all of the pores on their skin, and it's freaking me out. Yeah, um, that's a really bizarre phobia. It, it, it's the irregular uh, patterns on stuff, where it's just like, ugh, it grosses me out. 
I um, just yeah, the holes and things. Yeah, but like it's with the two with the main characters, it's so detailed. It's like I don't need this. It's too much. Um, but like yeah, so like graphics wise, fantastic. So much shit to do. The combat is good, but it gets stale in my opinion real quick because yeah. I talked about it. You find the one that works and you just stick with it. Um, Kiryu's go to his beast mode where he just picks up random items around him and fights with that. And like any item you have is usually unblockable. So it's like, well, they can't block it. I'm just going to keep swinging at that. And you can also hit them while they're down with items easier than just punching or kicking. So I just stick with that and I use that for 80% of the fights. Uh, pretty much the same thing with Majima. His go-to style for I use for fighting is the breakdancer style, where he's like breakdancing on the street and spinning around on his head and stuff. And yeah, same thing. You can take out 10 guys at once using that style very easily, hitting multiple characters. And then you can also hit them while they're on the ground. So you just knock them on the ground and you just keep wailing into them until they're defeated. And it's like, well, this, this works for like most of the fights. Why would I ever not use this? Right. So... And in his other fighting styles, he just has a bat. So I'm just wailing into people with bats, like in boss fights. Because once again, that's the one that works the best. It's not entertaining. It's not fun to watch. But, it's but it gets efficient. the job done. Yep. It gets the job done. And some of the, every now and then I try changing it up. I'm like, oh, let me try and do like the actual like one-on-one style fighting. And they just, they rabbit punch you and break your guard and knock you down so quick. And they have iframes where they have like invincibility where you still do damage. But their momentum doesn't stop. But for you, every time they do like a rabbit punch on you, you stop completely. So I'm like, it just gets so annoying so fast. Yeah. So that's it's like, let I'm, me just hit you with a fucking bat instead. <laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna wail you with a bat. And you know, it. I, I understand this is like a soap opera. It's all dramatic. It's all exaggerated to the nth degree. Yeah. Um, one of the items you can pick up is a box of nails. And you, when you do your special heat move with that, you take a handful of nails, you put them in a guy's mouth, and then you uppercut him into the jaw. So Damn. Like, all, like that would kill a guy, yeah. but it's all exaggerated. So all the guys are just holding their stomach when, you know, the fight's over. And I'm realizing, uh, we could, this also segues into, you know, the last of us two, which came out. So we can oh, you know, God. talk about that. Eh, yep. we can get, um, but I realized Yakuza zero is just Batman. Like this is just a Batman game, yeah. but set in the eighties Japan because Kiryu is just the straight laced orphan who just follows after his mentor's footsteps and is the only thing really compelling him through everything is that he's just a brick of a human being and that he has a strong sense of honor and justice. But yet he's in the Yakuza for some reason. And Majima is the Joker. And because this is the origin story, like, I, I, I guess this happens in, like, the first Yakuza games, like, 1 and 2, where, like, Majima becomes this crazy character, but in, the, in Zero, he's not. But you see the breaking point of, like, how he gets to that. Yeah. Which is a good story. It is a compelling story. But, like, he's the one. He has breakdancing for one of his fighting styles. He just has a bat for his other. Uh, once you unlock their, like, he gets the title, like, the Mad Dog Majima. Once you unlock that fighting style uh, by doing all of the cabaret quest stuff, it's just him running around with a knife, like, laughing and screaming and cutting people. So, like, it's cool seeing him get there. But, like, once I realized that, I'm like, oh, it's just Batman and the Joker. And, like, I know they're destined to clash in all the other Yakuza games, like 1, 2, 3, 4, etc. Right. Um, so you just see how similar their stories are, where they were both kicked out of the Yakuza, and now they have to fight their way back in. But then by toppling the Yakuza, they're trying to get back in, too. And um, you see the different ways their lives could have gone, like Batman and Joker. But the thing that really hit home is, after all this stuff, after putting nails in a guy's mouth and uppercutting him in the chin, like, 
They're not killing anyone. No one dies. Yeah. No, because I just did the final boss battles, and they're like, Majima, you can't kill them. If you kill them, the blood's on your hands. And then the person you killed them for, blood is on her hands, too. I don't understand feel, that angle and, Yeah, at it all. just, it drove me nuts. Because they're like, uh, what's going to happen if you kill these guys? Your, your hands are going to be dirty. I'm like, yeah, but if I don't kill him, he's going to hunt after me for the rest of his goddamn life. And I, you know, I am a criminal. I've done a bunch of horrible shit. We've already worked with human traffickers. They've all killed people. Like, they even point out for Kiryu, they're like, your mentor, the guy you aspire to, he used to be a hitman. He killed a bunch of people. It's like, yeah, you're a Yakuza. That's what you do. Yeah. So, like, there's definitely redemption stories, and it's not like all criminals are, like, you know, it's not like once you're a criminal, you're just criminal scum forever. Like, people can change. Sure. Like, I'm not arguing that. But it's just the fact that, like, once you're a criminal, you break the rules. So it's just like, there's never a rule they can, won't break. And they're like, oh, well, there's honor among thieves. Like, yeah, well, what's stopping them from breaking those rules? Like, once you break the rules, you can just break every rule. And, like, there's no longer an endpoint. Yep. And that's what they're trying to say with, like, hey, you didn't kill somebody. It's like, sure, but you did blind this girl. This one guy you worked with who was, like, your buddy and soulmate and, like, your oath brother for life, even though you only knew him for a week. He was a human trafficker that blinded a girl and definitely implied a lot of rape happened. Yeah. So, like, it's he's not good. But, hey, you didn't kill him. So, like, at least you never crossed that bridge. It's like... Yeah. That... What a, if anything, it, by killing him, you might have been serving a little bit of karma for the universe. Yeah, like you would be stopping this guy who's a known human trap. Like he's oh just Lord. gonna do it again. So like it always blows my mind with stuff like that. Batman, I can understand to a degree because he always is a superhero. Yeah, superhero. Yeah, he's not like a chaotic neutral <laughs> or but however it, you want to put it. But especially with like the Arkham games especially Arkham Knight where you're driving around in the Batmobile and just running dudes over. Like, Kiryu and Majima are doing the same thing where you do the heat finisher moves where, like, a guy stabs you with a knife. You take the knife out of his hand, you punch upward, like, through his elbow so it bends the other way, and then you stab his foot into the ground. Sure, you didn't kill him, but you definitely just turned a lot of his bones into mush. Yep. Like, one of the moves is, like, you're fighting with a guy with a knife, you slap it on forward, and you both wrestle for the knife, and as it comes down, you both kick at the same time, and if you do the quick time event quick enough, the knife land, the handle of the knife lands on your shin, and you kick the knife into the other guy's shin, like clean through. You do that multiple times in the battle, like so. You know it's all exaggerated and over the top. So it's I guess it's not real, but like if it was, you're definitely just stabbing people a lot. And like in the end battle, there's a lot of guns where it's like, oh, I don't have to fight these guys. I'm just gonna shoot them and it's done. So like, okay. You didn't kill anybody. You definitely shot a lot of guys, though. Are you sure they're not dead? Like, I'm wondering what the ideal situation for them is. Like, they, they're they like, well, we don't want to kill them. They go and, like, are like, well, we have to anyway. And they go to kill him, and then they accidentally, like, put him in a coma. They're like, all right. This worked out for <laughs> He's everybody. He's still all right. He's so still you, alive. That guy's got a family. That guy's got kids. He talked about him in the previous cutscene. You just put him in a coma for, like... That's what I mean. It's this disconnect between the storytelling and the gameplay. It's this cognitive distance. And it happens a lot in Batman and Arkham Asylum, all of those games. As yeah. fun as they are, as much as I love them, that's really prevalent. And it's really prevalent in this, too. And it reminded me, uh, because Last of Us 2 came out, it's very prevalent. Uh, from the reviews I've read, it's very prevalent in The Last of Us 2, where at least the Polygon review I saw, you know, there's stories about 
Last of Us 2, there's a lot of controversy. It was leaked. They're doing crunch time with the employees. Uh, people who are buying the game are mad at Naughty Dog for the crunch time and, like, you know, shitting on Naughty Dog. But then at the same time, they're shitting on the employees that are employed by Naughty Dog. So, like, it's kind of like a backhanded compliment where you're defending the employees, but then you're also attacking their employers who are keeping them, like, employed. So it's just, like... I'm seeing a lot of the art, all the developers and artists who worked on Last of Us Two, being like, "Please just buy the game." Like, we we did the crunch time. We know it's not good, but like, don't boycott the game because of the crunch time. Because then all of our work was for nothing. But then it's right. like by, by by buying the game, you're also enabling Naughty Dog to keep doing those practices and stuff. Right, and they even admit it's not good. But no, that's it's the not thing. Good. I I think I saw someone who uh, is a friend of mine. I'm not going to sh- throw names out there, but I know they are a fan of the franchise and like, I don't know, most people like kind of th- hold that game on like, like on a Hyper pedestal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're like, this is the fucking... Peak gaming. It really, to a lot of people, it is. Yeah. Uh, so to this person, it definitely was. They got The Last of Us 2, and so far they said they're thoroughly enjoying it, despite all the bad reviews. So I'm curious to see, like, once more people have played it, what, like, the general consensus is. Because right now it seems very mixed. I mean, it only just came it, out a few days ago. Yeah, as of this recording, like, yeah, maybe two days ago. Um, but yeah, then there's, like, new controversy where there are pe- people are talking about, like, oh, there's this one character voiced by Laura Bailey, who's, you know, famous voice actor and, uh, you know, critical role. And it's like her character has to have sex with a guy who looks a lot like Neil, uh, 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 not Neil Blomkin. Druckman. Or... Drunkman, yeah. Neil Druckman, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it. that's it. Okay. And he's the director of uh, Last of Us 2. And there's a sex scene between uh, a character that looks very similar to him and Laura Bailey's character. People were like, oh, was she pressured into. Listen, like she's gone on Twitter being like, no, fuck this, fuck those rumors, like stop this. Um, she's very well into her career and like she's got a lot of like you know strong reputation and work behind her if she did not want to do anything she could have easily turned shit down she's right and when people are like oh but this you random character looks a lot like neil uh uh uh, the director neil it's like have you played a naughty dog game any disheveled scruffy white look white dude all look the same that's true they're all basically identical i couldn't pinpoint nathan Drake in a lineup if you put a gun to my head He's that's just true. token white guy, white smarty guy. attitude. For like, sure. And I feel like the, that's the people who are pointing this out, projecting what they They, they want. want something yeah, to be mad Yeah, which is at. kind of fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. So I understand there's a fair amount of uh, controversy or criticism sur- surrounding Last of Us 2. Some of it fair, like the crunch time. Some of it not fair, like the accusations that he put himself insert into the game. Like, that's a weird thing to latch onto and just accuse a guy of. And he I agree. Way too much mental. That one's news to me. And also, yeah, it just doesn't seem like it has much of a leg to stand on. Yeah. And then I saw some people saying, like, oh, I saw the story was, I saw the story, like the leaked stuff explaining the story. And I don't want to play it because I cared about the narrative. And now the narrative is ruined for me. And there's a bunch of developers being like, yeah, the narrative's very important for a game. But there's also a ton of other elements to it. So you yeah. might enjoy the combat more. You might like the music. The music is apparently phenomenal. So, like, people are, like, it feels like people are finding any reason to not play this game. My reason is because I don't have a PS4. I physically well, can't play this game. Well, and my reason is because I was so adamantly against the first, the first game. Yeah. So that's what I mean. And, and, but 
as a joke though, I saw that there's some form of a mini game in The Last of Us Two where I think her name's Ellie, if I'm not mistaken, where you're yeah. playing guitar as Ellie, and it's just like it does like it gives you like a wheel of like different chords you can do, and mm-hmm. I think there's even buttons you can change to like alter the chords, so it's like you can do the sharp version or of it or whatever. Flat, and dude. I saw like a viral video of someone just like digging around on that, and like just like it was like I think the caption was something to the effect of like Berkeley music musicians be like, and like if you're not familiar. <laughs> Berkeley is like the college of music, uh, a very uh, high renown. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, it was really funny seeing Ellie just like her hand like flying up and down the neck of this guitar, <laughs> making all sorts of like crazy noises. So I don't know. It, yeah. That's the only thing about The Last of Us 2 that even remotely interests me. So definitely not worth buying it for that. But if someone I know has it, I will definitely dick around with that for a little bit. Yeah, it's just it's weird seeing this backlash, especially because the closer we got to Last of Us 2, we heard more people talking shit about last of us one and kind of retroactively saying like oh i didn't like the game or like oh i hated the combat you've always didn't yep. like it like you and were I there felt, from day one, i felt like i was on the fucking in the minority with that opinion and almost anytime i would bring it up everyone would be like really fuck you and i'm like i yeah. know but and now it does feel kind of funny how everyone's come it's almost like a colin kaepernick situation <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I go that <laughs> no, far. No, not that but. far, but no, people are backpedaling being like, oh, he should get a job now. Yeah, like, oh, maybe he was right, but, like, but you know, we should have listened back then. Yeah. Um, no, but I mean, I'm totally kidding. That. that was just, <laughs> like, something stretch. topical and maybe, uh, <laughs> I was just trying to get a joke in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was, like, Wind Waker. It's all the Wind Waker. I loved it from day one. I'm like, this is fucking great. And everyone's like, oh, this sucks. It's all cartoony and cel shading. Fuck this. And I was like, all right, I love it, though. This is amazing. And then cut to like three years later, people were like, oh yeah, Wind Waker's phenomenal. It's like, no, everyone hated it when it came out. That's not how this works. Right. Um, That's more accurate. <laughs> yeah. But with The Last of Us, yeah, even I would put Last of Us 1 up there as like a phenomenal game. I loved it. And like, it seems like a lot of people are complaining about the gameplay and the combat in The Last of Us 1. Um, but I loved it because it it paired well with the story where like, yes. yeah, you're not supposed to be this Nathan Drake action hero gunning down an entire country, like one man army sort of stuff. Like Yakuza is that Yakuza, you go on a boat with just two guys and you take down the whole like yacht full of Yakuza. That's what that is. That's exaggerated. And that's what the gameplay is. Yep. Or at least that's what the combat is. Last of Us 1, you're struggling to find like a single shiv. Like that shift can save your life and you don't have any because you had to use up all like and it was a struggle and you sh- you should be avoiding combat as much as possible. And I like that. Yeah. And I liked where the story went. I like where the narrative went. And like for me, that story can be done and we're good. Yeah, it felt like a very much one off thing and it feels to me like they're shooting themselves in the foot by continuing it. I was very much worried about that with like fully Cooley. I'm like, it's fucking yeah. perfect. Don't touch it. And then they're doing another one and I was like, okay, please be good. And actually I only watched progressive or progressive. I think there's two of them. One, yeah, I watched one of them and it was really good. So I, I do want to visit the second iteration of that, but sorry to derail. No, anime. That's fine. <laughs> anime. Uh, I'm always fine with derailing with it. <laughs> No, you're right, though. Sometimes it is fine. Like, sometimes it's, like, self-contained. Like, there it is. It's a finished package. No one ever goes back to this. Like, it's done. It's good. Leave yep. it alone. And then sometimes people come back to it a few years later. And it's like, oh, wow. Hey, Dumb and Dumberer, the sequel to Dumb and Dumber. Oh, God. 30 years later. <laughs> maybe it's not good. Maybe not even they, close. Maybe you should have kept it back then. And now that you're bringing it back out into, you know, 2015 or whenever it came out, we're realizing, hey, maybe the first one's not that good either. Right. <laughs> like, oh, Lord. Because you made us reexamine it outside of the time it came out in. And, like. You know, fair. That could easily be what's happening with Last of Us 1. People are now looking back on it and hindsight being like, oh, it's not as good. But there definitely is this backlash for it. And I feel like it's 
people are looking for any reason to shit on it now in that yes. whole franchise. You're and right. I feel, I feel like it's unjustified. It's justified in some cases. I'm not arguing it's like completely unfair, but I feel like there's a lot of hate out for Last of Us, the franchise now in general, despite yeah. like people working for seven years on it, like since the first one. And I'm here for it, Brandon. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love it. No, I really could care less. I kind of agree with you that it does feel a little unjustified, even as someone that's not even like in Team Last of Us. Yeah. Um, and the reason I bring it up and like the way it segues into Yakuza Zero, my complaints about that and Batman is after reading the Polygon review, um, it seems like it's the same cognitive disconnect between the gameplay and the story of this, of a, a game telling you murder is wrong and you should never kill anyone and only bad people kill people. But then it, the game forces you to continually fight and murder people. Yeah. And, even, you know, sure, it's Yakuza. I punch the guy's mouth full of nails. But at the, at the end of the fight, after the cutscene, he's just rolling around holding his stomach like he's got, a, like, a tummy ache. It's like, yeah, but I definitely just shoved that guy's head full of nails. He would yeah. have absolutely died. There's one – you can get different weapons in Yakuza and wield them. One of them is a Marlin cannon. It's a giant swordfish with a grenade launcher inside of it. Holy um, shit. It's ridiculous and over the top, and that's what Yakuza is. It's very fantastical. It's very like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. It's definitely insane for the sake of being insane. Yeah. But if I hit a guy with a grenade launcher point blank, he's definitely dead. I definitely yeah. killed that guy. So, like, it's hard for me to really feel the emotional weight of, like, the last cutscene in Yakuza Zero when he's like, you know, when you're about to kill this guy, you're about to, like, take back everything he took from you and, uh, like, unleash it all on his skull and finish him once for all so you don't have to worry, so you don't have to be looking over your shoulder for the rest of your life. And then your best buddy, your oath brother, your Robin to your Batman, dives in and says, like, no, you can't kill people. And if you ever do cross that line, I'll cross it with you. Cool. What if we cross it now, Nishiki? What if we cross it right now and I just killed this guy so he wouldn't be hunting me down? But they're like, no, we can never kill anyone. It's like, you're fucking Yakuza. That's your job. Yeah, like, I think it's crazy that you could survive like grenades in that universe, but probably like they die of heart attacks later in life. <laughs> there's like the p- people do die in it, but then yeah, it's all these like weird things where it's like, oh, he died because of this. Like, one guy gets shot, and then an hour later, he's like in the hospital in a coma in critical condition, and then twenty minutes later, he's back at the club saying like, don't, don't attack the person that shot me and put me in a coma. It's like, oh, well, you're totally out of your coma because it just. You know, because it's a side mission, so time doesn't progress. Ah, I was um, going to say, what the hell? Yeah, because it was all the side cabaret stuff, so time didn't actually change. But it all happens, you know, for me, it happened within 20-minute scope. Gotcha. Um, but, like, Last of Us 2, in this review I read for it, it's that disconnect where it's, like, the whole story is, like, Ellie killing all these people. And then, like, in the in the cutscenes, in the story moments, they're like, oh, like, we have to unite together and we have to survive. And it's like, apparently one scene, you know, spoilers for Last of Us 2, this is actually, you know, because I don't care about spoiling, it's years old. Last yeah. of Us 2 just came out, so I will say spoiler, you know, for next, like, five, you know, two minutes. Yeah, for sure. In the review, it says there's a specific moment where you're in a camp, talking with other people in your camp, your other, like, uh, people you're living with and struggling to survive with, and you meet this dog, and you're like, hey, buddy, you pet the dog, you play fetch a little bit, cool. You go out into the world, you start fighting people, story happens, and now everyone's against Ellie, and now Ellie has to, like, fight those people that she was just in camp with. She even has to, like, kill the dog. But it's like, it's like in Metal Gear Solid, where it's like, oh, you have guns and you have tranks. It's like, cool, if you can trank people to not kill them and get bonus points. But then it'll go to a cutscene where you're snapping a dude's neck. It's like, the, apparently the same thing happened in Last of Us 2, where, like, you can, like, avoid the fight with the dog and everything, but then it gets to the cutscene where you're forced to kill the dog. God and then damn it. 
apparently the rest of the game, it just punishes you for, like, you killed people. You're a murderer now. It's like, I didn't want to. The game's forcing, like, the cutscene made me do it. That's what I didn't like about the first fucking game. And now it's like they're fucking really just deep diving into that whole, like, premise. And now I think it's funny that people are getting mad at that. Because that was what initially triggered me about the first game. It was like, okay, I'm a video gamer. I like being in control of the story. I was recently playing, like, Life is Strange. So it's like, I'm in control of my decisions. Not in The Last of Us. It's like, I know how I would handle this final decision that the game presents you with. And they do. And it's just, uh, I don't know. I know I'm a (laughs) shithead for doing that. But it's also for the greater good situation. People, The Last of Us has been out forever. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm sorry. But We can spoil the uh, first one. Second one now. For sure. But that's the thing. I just, it's frustrating that now people are kind of on my, like, yeah, side of things being like if only i had the ability or if only my decisions actually mattered and had a different outcome in the game it's very much linear of no matter what you choose this is what's happening but we can give you a little bit of agency to make you feel a little better but you're still gonna kill the fucking dog yeah and like i i I see your point with that and that's like um i still like the first last of us game but it's very valid criticism of it um such with that because i remember talking about like i always saw this joel story it's not like uh, you know, it's not like a JRPG where you're blank. It's not Dragon Age Inquisition where you're just blank slate character. You make them from the ground up, and your choices matter, or like Mass Effect, or you know something like that, where you're you're embodying embodying this character. Uh, yeah. For for Last of Us, it's like this is Joel's story. You don't get. It's not an RPG. You don't get to role play as Joel. You're just following along with what he does. And well, and that's. Just, what I think might have made that game like be the messiah of games for me had that game and en- had set like multiple different endings. It's like that's all it needed for me was to be like mm-hmm. go different down a couple of avenues at the very end, and then it's just like oh you got that ending that's cool. But then if they did that, they wouldn't have the option to do The Last of Us too. But then again, here you are with like the same kind of situation with the uh, with Life is Strange. It's like oh it's one or the other, but they still made a Life is Strange too and tied yeah. into the original game. So it 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 feels like. Like, they proved me wrong of, despite there being, like, definitive endings, you can still have a sequel. Uh, I don't know. I just, it, I'm not going to play this fucking game. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally fair. But, like, I agree with you. I, I definitely see the valid point of it being, like, no, there's only one ending. This is the story we are telling. We are sticking to it, even if it's the less popular choice. For sure. But if it was a self-contained game, and, like, say there weren't branching option paths before this, yeah, why not? There's plenty of games where you have the last decision in the game exactly. is actually made up by the player. And that'd be fine too. Like I could see it going multiple ways and being like, yeah, that's the game. We're done. We're moving on. But yeah, with the sequel, most of the time they just pick the most common den- not denominator choice and that's the canon ending. So they move on with it anyway. Well, and that's the thing. I feel like you could have had a definitive like, uh, or no, that's just a tough one because I'm talking about like whether or not you kill Ellie in the first game or not. If like then you can't like have a game centered around her the second she time around, which is yeah. that which is clearly what they wanted to do is have her as the main character. And that's the thing, like yeah. Joel is in this game. I remember seeing him in the trailer. People were curious about that. Yeah, there's speculation on that. Um, but with me, it's it seems like for me with Last of Us One, it was always your shitty character from the beginning. Like you start off as Joel and Trish. Uh, I think her name was Trish. Right. Um, and you're like gun runners and smugglers. And like it was against – there weren't like big cities, but there were definitely communities. And they had set rules where it's like don't steal from us or like don't bring in guns to our community stuff like that. And that's what you did because you did anything to survive because you lost everything. You had nothing to like – you had no reason to be 
morally superior or ethical anymore. You just survived, and that's what the game is. And it felt dirty and gross, and you're killing clickers, and you're killing people, doing yep. whatever you need to get supplies. And, like, that's what it felt like, and that's what the story was telling to me, and that's what it, that's why I was like, this is fine. Um, even with the ending, where people are like, this ending fucking sucks. And I was like, he's not a good guy. <laughs> so, um, but then with the second one, it seems like now they're reprimanding you for being a bad person. And the whole story is just like, you're better than this. You have to be better than this. We have to rebuild. <laughs> and it's just like, no, it's Mad Max. Like, society is never going to recover. We're just going to fight until we go extinct now. And it just seems like this weird, like, the first one, it felt like that's the story. It felt like you're a piece of shit and, like, you got to survive at any cost. The second one is like, okay, so stuff still continues. So what's the story now? And it's like, there is no story. You're a piece of shit. So it just feels like people are getting annoyed with being like, I have to keep killing everyone, and then I'm getting yelled at by the game for killing everyone. So, like, I don't know. Maybe I'm being uh, uh, obtuse with this. We're doesn't just seem the it to me. One. I don't know. It also, to me, it just leaves the door open of, like, I know the end of The Last of Us happened the way it did for a reason, but to me, it just feels no like... Hope. It, it, yeah, there is... It feels like there's still a way to be like, how can we resolve this? We have Ellie, even though we don't want to sacrifice her for it. But like, it just, I have a feeling they have no interest in solving the problem. They just want to be like, we're in this world still. Yeah, it's like, it's like a zombie game, but there's no chance. Or like The Walking Dead, like Robert Kirkman's gone on record being like, yeah, there's not going to be a cure for the zombie. Right. So it's like, okay, so there's no real hope for them ever recovering it's just people slowly dying and like betraying each other yeah like, that's what the story's always going to be it's and, game like, of thrones <laughs> yeah yeah so it's just like without hope that there's ever a chance of it getting better it's like you're just watching people dwindle and like spiral out of control more so it's like is that entertaining i could see it as being a good story for the first game and that's it but if you're turning into a into this new franchise or a trilogy and you're gonna make more of these like, you gotta give me a reason to want to play it other than just, like, hey, do you want to kill just blank slate characters? Yeah. So, and it's a problem Naughty Dog's always had, the, this disconnect with the gameplay and the story, um, even in all the Uncharted games. I played three of them. There's more now. Um, but it's, like, Nathan Trigg, where it's like, haha, I'm the quippy, like, treasure hunting guy. And it's like, cool, you're gonna go into a place, steal their native, like, ar- treasures and artifacts, and then sell them to a museum, like Indiana Jones, because you're just Indiana Jones, but quippier. And the whole time you're going to be killing all these mercenaries and other treasure hunters the whole time. The difference is you're a smarmy five o'clock shadow white guy. So you're the main character. Everyone else is the bad guy, even though they're doing the exact same thing you yeah. are as Nathan Drake. So it's just like it, it the cutscene will have a moment where it's like at the very end where like Nathan Drake, I don't know. It's not a game specific. It's one of them though. Yeah. Like, Come on, Nathan, you have to save the bad guy. You're the good guy. You have to save everyone. It's like, cool. But I also just shot like an entire Hundreds. country's worth of people. Yep. Like I've committed genocide on this Island, but I got to save this one guy because he's in a cutscene. And it's just, we're hitting, I feel like we're hitting this point. I've always complained about it, but I feel like we're hitting this point where people are realizing this now. And it's just, it's ruining the game. Because yeah. it's so game-breaking now where it's like, I can't be Batman trying to save Poison Ivy because even though she's a supervillain and even though she might controlled and killed a lot of people, she's a main character and I got to try and save her at all costs. Meanwhile, I'm running around in a tank in, my, in Gotham and I'm just plowing over prisoners left and right who are definitely dead. So, like, it's this disconnect between the gameplay and the story. If you want to talk about a story about, like, the struggles of, like, life and death and everyone struggling to survive – 
maybe not have killing being the primary you know gameplay feature right absolutely maybe do a puzzle system maybe like you know ellie's hardwiring like you know building security to try and get through stuff like stealth or something and not just have everything being murder and then trying to tell a compelling story about like you shouldn't kill people like right so it's, it does just, seem to be getting old and uh very a common thread yeah, it's just, I've seen it happening a lot of times. Playing Yakuza, it's very prevalent. Playing Batman Arkham games is very prevalent. Last of Us, this is the only review I read of Last of Us because, like I said, I'm not playing it, but I don't have the consoles. I physically can't play it if I wanted to. Um, so it just, it seems like people are getting at the breaking point. And I think with Last of Us, it's just so prevalent. Or Last of Us 2, it's so prevalent and it's such a high profile game. Yeah. That people are starting to call it out now and being like, all right, guys, we can't, you can't make us feel sympathy for the genocidal maniac bad guy who's been killing people left and right when i've also been killing all of his guys left and right too like you, you know if you want to have someone morally superior they have to show that in the gameplay as well and not just in the cutscenes. yeah that so, makes perfect sense it makes it a lot harder but it you know that's that's the struggle with storytelling so. Yeah, that's what, oh man, it's a, such a mixed review right now so far. And it, it, it is, like I said, such a heralded game that it, everyone was anticipating this for so long. So it's kind of funny to see it kind of ha- struggling it's, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's it, the la- the second one really, really in like hot water right at launch. And um, at least for me, I feel like I, I don't know if I ever will play it. Um, I will ever, ever get the console. Um, it feels like it's probably going to be the same for me with the Yakuza, where it's like, it's a fun, objectively phenomenal feat that they were able to accomplish this, like with all the teams and stuff. It looks great. It like plays well. All this stuff, like mechanically and objectively, it is good. The creative elements, though, I got problems with. I got, yeah, like, a lot of, especially like, the story. So, uh, like, I'll, that's probably gonna be my, like my review for both Yakuza Zero and Last of Us Two if I ever play it. Gotcha. That's the thing. I'm. Definitely not going to play it. So I I don't often watch playthroughs, but this is a game I feel like I need to just to like hate watch and know what happened <laughs> and be like, oh, uh, laugh if it's a dumpster fire. <laughs> playthroughs are also good if you're just like, especially with, um, there's some games I saw recently, I forget. Um, what, oh, it was a big one. It was a Final Fantasy VII remake. Oh, shit. Okay. Like, I want to see this, but God, the combat looks unbearable to yeah. me. And I don't, so I would be watching a playthrough and I would just cut, cut, uh, jump, cut like 20 minutes ahead and just see the next part of the game because I, I haven't played seven, Final Fantasy VII Remake, but I, I can't imagine that combat's fun. It looks grueling as shit to me. And yeah. I hate it. So I'm I would, I would just skip you. ahead even in the videos and not even watch the combat. <laughs> and it, it made it much more enjoyable for me because yeah. I just saw the, I just saw the cutscenes. I just saw That's all the fun nice. stuff. So yeah, gameplay uh, let's plays can be really good for that if you just don't want to you don't want to deal with this bullshit, but you want to see the story. Oh well, speaking of not wanting to deal with this bullshit, but actually I don't think there is any story related. Uh, moving on <laughs> to our next show topic, uh, Kingdom Hearts has another game coming out this year <laughs> for PS4. Okay, but that's the thing. Like I was thinking, okay, we had the PS5 on the horizon. Why wouldn't they be like working on next Kingdom Hearts for PS5? No, this is just another what feels like an offshoot gimmicky. Give me your money. I know you love Kingdom Hearts, people. Uh, like it's not cool yeah. at all. It's, it's called Mel- Melody of Memory. So already they're <laughs> just like using like the memory. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think. I, yeah, they're they're fucking brainwashing us. There's like yeah, it's like very much <laughs> like. Uh, I'm just forgetting all the games. There's too many of them. Anyway, uh, so it's basically 
Mario Party Kingdom Hearts edition, <laughs> and you just play a bunch of mini games as the cast of Kingdom Hearts. And like in theory, maybe years ago, I'd been like, oh, I'd give that a go. But like now, Kingdom Hearts, you've done me too dirty. Like I'm not interested anymore. Like Kingdom Hearts wow. three. Wow, you had the was, breaking point with Dog. Uh, it, it is like I I want to love Kingdom Hearts still, but like the only <laughs> Kingdom Hearts game from this point on that I will play is Kingdom Hearts four if it's even created. <laughs> so you're not broken yet. You're so you're so a little hooked. Just yeah. barely, like just because of I've put too much of my life invested into this franchise. Sunk cost fallacy, man. I did that with Bleach. Just pull out. It's not worth it. Just pull God out. damn it. You're probably right because though no, I saw a meme going around with like a grid of just different games. It's like you can only pick three, and like immediately I'm like one of them's dedicated to Kingdom Hearts. I'm like, no, but is it? I'm like, <laughs> I mean, it's especially the problem with Kingdom Hearts is because like everything's canon if this is just a dumb rhythm game like throw away like fodder sure right I mean, well especially if it's a mobile fine but like you know Nomura's gonna make it canon and you know that makes no no sense. it doesn't make sense at all but that's also what makes it an attractive choice for like one of those like grid memes where it's like you only get three if i pick kingdom hearts as a franchise i have like 12 games um, under my belt so i'm like all right that's not that bad the browser game that no one played that's canon that's oh, like God. origin of Kingdom Hearts. That's where it all started, and no one knows it. Yeah, I didn't know about that. I remember one for like my phone. It was a flip phone, and it was like coded, and then they did recode. Recoded. The- oh Lord, yeah. those are canon. It's all canon. It is canon. No, that's the. It's literally uh, the Matrix ripped off, but like a, a Kingdom Hearts spin. Yeah, and the problem is Nomura's doing Final Fantasy VII remake, so his bullshit's all up in that too. Which yeah. I got, the, I got problems with the ending, but that's episode one, and yeah, we won't get into that. I've heard of this. Yep, it's just like it. It gets real Kingdom Heartsy towards the end of Final Fantasy VII Remake, so it's like, oh no. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I can't, I can't believe people are still putting out with Kingdom Hearts bullshit. No, that's what I mean. I feel like I've, I've got to that point where I'm like, all right, guys, I'm done. I'm you're not getting my money for this one. The, I I hit that with Assassin's Creed, where one of the like PSP games uh, was then made canon. Because I think between like, I think between like two and Brotherhood, or maybe like Brotherhood and three or something, um, the main character is being like taken away by like two people, like that are his allies. And then in the next game, he wakes up and his dad's there. I was like, where the fuck is his dad coming from? Oh, he was in the side game, the spinoff game, but now he's retconned into this moment. But he what? wasn't in the second. I was like, or same with um in the first game, Kristen Bell's character Lucy is like a is a mole, is an inside spy. And she shows you, she flashes her ring fingers cut off because that's what all the assassins did. But then in the second game, boom, her ring finger's there because it turns out assassins stopped doing that after the medieval ages because it's a super obvious sign who's an assassin, who's not. So between one and two, she regrows her ring finger because they just retconned it because they didn't plan out the story well enough to think it would be a franchise. And that's what's happening in Kingdom Hearts. Yep, it really is. Uh, So can't recommend that one, but yeah, their selling point is it's coming out in 2020. It's like, well, don't care. (laughs) Cool. Oh, God. Yeah, we're going a little long. Uh, Oh, yeah. Any other show topics that are worth this week? (laughs) Uh, Mentioning uh, Pokemon had a reveal. They did like a little... Uh, like because it's all the E3 stuff, different companies are revealing stuff at their own pace now, not all at once. Um, so Pokemon did one where they did a big announcement, and we're getting uh, Pokemon Smile, which is like a little phone game to help kids brush their teeth, which was like Pokemon. Aww. So like, that's a market. Um, Pokemon Cafe, which is like a mobile game, like on your phone and stuff, 
where it's like Dine or Dash, like I was talking about before, um, but with Pokemon. And if you, you serve Pokemon, like cafe food, and if you get, you know, serve them well enough, they join your team and they have different bonif- benefits and stuff. Kind of looks neat. Even in the trailer, they announced, like, it's free to start playing. And it's like, oh, yeah. that's, got- that's a gotcha game. That's oh, one yeah. They're, you know, Microtransactions, yeah. Oh, like, when they can't even avoid talking about it in the announcement trailer, you know it's going to be riddled with them. Yeah. So, um, it seems real cute. Maybe I'll play it if it's actually decent when it, at launch when it's free. Um, I think it's launching soon. But, like, it's just going to be riddled with microtransactions, you can already tell. Um, more Sword and Shield DLC. Or not more, but they revealed more of it, which came out, I think, this week, as of this recording. Oh, hell yeah. Um, so people are loving that. Like, you can get way into it, and you can have Pokemon follow you around and stuff, and, like, Slowpoke, like, follows you around, but he's super slow, so it's kind of, it kind of sucks. You have to That's wait. awesome. Oh, yeah. man, I gotta get back into that game. I was really enjoying that for a while, but I think I'm, like, stuck at one of the legendary birds, or even Mew, I forget. Oh, uh, yeah. Mew too, actually, yeah, obviously. Oh, uh, okay. Um, I, I never got into it. It seems great, and people seem to be really, like, excited for this DLC you know, people have been playing it since, you know, recording this. Yeah. Um, it seems, it's not just like, here's some of the old Pokemon we kept out from before. It seems like it's a full, chunky-ass expansion. Like, there's a lot to do and a lot of new stuff. So chunky-ass, it's thick like chunky, Tails. Thick. Oh, no, no, I, I, I posted a really bizarre image of Tails. Uh, well, that that's, it's like 8-bit image of Tails and Sonic. It's, and it's, Tails' ass, and it's just so no. thick. <laughs> just so thick it's a picture of sonic and tails like standing on the horizon looking over the ocean in like a game it's like one of the end end shots of a game like sonic yes. one or two and the way it's drawn with the pixels because you can interpret it wrong because it's so limited tails is big tail like the two, two big tails on tails are big and yellow and then it tips off at white yes but the way the pixels look it looks like the yellow part of the tail are his ass cheeks and then the top of his tails <laughs> are, are like are little tails, tails. So someone, some artist redrew that, and Taylor just has the fattest fucking ass on the yeah, planet. Yeah, it's actually uh, Disgusting. terrifying. <laughs> it's uh, my 600-pound life Tails version, but uh, we'll try to put that in the show notes if we can. Oh, uh, I hope not. I uh, love doing well, visuals on our podcast. Yeah, it's great. Uh, last thing with the Pokemon, finally announced, Pokemon Snap 2. Oh, fuck! Yeah, it's getting made. It's coming on Switch. Dude, that's one that was always, like, on, like, the dream list of, like, if you could just mm-hmm. pretend, like, they'll make a game that Someday. you want from your past. Yeah. Someday. Everyone would be like, oh, maybe Pokemon Snap. Yeah, Snap too. That sounds fantastic. I feel like with this one, it's either going to be just pure nostalgia for a lot of people. Be like, I fucking love this. It's great. Or it's going to, like, wake people up and be like, this hey, game you, isn't that good. <laughs> this game kind of sucks. You're on rails. You just, like, throw apples at Pokemon to annoy them and then take their picture. And, like, you don't, you don't do a lot. Yeah, I'm so, pretty sure. I don't recall. Correct me if I'm wrong. Pat Johnston, our only listener, but I think he was complaining about how that game wasn't even fun back in the day. And I'm like, yeah, I I got a little bit of enjoyment out of it, but I can't imagine like playing a lot of that game. I remember finding my N64 like after college and replaying some stuff. And yeah, replaying it, you're just like, I can't wait until I unlock all the gear and the engine that makes you speed through it faster. Because like, yeah, playing a game that's on rails and it's slow as shit sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Last thing I wanted to mention, though, is that Skate 4 is confirmed, and I feel mm-hmm. like that's one that no one saw coming. I mean, people have been begging for it forever, so yeah, it was yeah. like, you would hope it was in development, but it's 
fucking insane the timing especially like not even like a year ago we're all bitching on our podcast being like where are the skating games at like <laughs> it was literally like decades worth of games of tony hawk this and blah 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 we're getting tons of these games and now uh, there's just been a huge gap Surplus. in the, yeah well well there was a gap yeah yeah a gap the in those games and now we are getting session this year, or we already did, if I'm not mistaken, that might be still like early access, but there's also skater XL. And I was like, okay, so there's a resurgence. We're getting the remakes of Tony Hawk one and two. Uh, but then, yeah, after all of those, we get skate four. So it's almost like a strategic, like they were waiting for the resurgence of skate games. And then they're like, but it's us, the one you've been really waiting for. <laughs> um, I've seen some people already saying though, like they're, that they're skeptical and they're saying like i don't know i wouldn't spend 60 dollars on a game by ea and much yeah. rather spend uh like maybe 40 dollars on like a game by a, a newer development team and uh i'm not quite sure where i stand on that but i d- i know i will most certainly be playing the tony hawk uh one and two remasters but i would like to play another modern skate game and it's most likely going to be skate four or one of those others i mentioned I mean, Skatebird, that's coming out oh, next well, year. Oh, well, fuck yeah, that too. Well, that's <laughs> that one definitely is getting played by probably everyone on the podcast. That's like oh, yeah. a must play. That's got it. Um, yeah, it might be a weird, like, it, you know, weird thing of these all lining up in the same year of all these skating games after such a dry period. Right. It, it might be they heard the Tony Hawk remake and they're like, oh, They shit, listen to don't. our podcast. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, they definitely listen to us and no one else. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they might have like one of the companies might have found out like oh there's one comp there's one big name company doing a big name skating franchise video game and they're bringing it back in 2020. We got to compete with that, so they started developing it at the same time. Yeah, and you know maybe that was Skate Four, and that's why they're remaking Tony Hawk. Maybe it's the vice versa. Maybe there's other ones. So you know we'll never know. You know, chicken or the egg, which one started it? But I think it is because they saw like oh people are thirsty for a new game. People want a new skating game. And if Tony Hawk's doing the remasters of like one, two, and three, or one, two at least, like that's gonna be the one everyone's gonna go to. Oh so maybe, yeah. Maybe once everyone goes to it and gets tired of it after like a week, because it's still a PlayStation One and PlayStation Two games. Yes. Like, they're limited. There's not yep. a ton of content, even though it's a very replayable. Sure. Like, maybe maybe they want a new itch. Maybe they want a new playground to go into. Here's yep. Skate Four, and Absolutely. they just segue the audience right into a whole new game. So. I, I think it's them all trying to compete with the same market and being like, well, we'll let Tony Hawk have it like their time because that's definitely going to be the biggest one. But once everyone's tired of that, then they can come to us. For sure. Well, now that we know they're listening to our podcast and we were <laughs> thirsty for skateboarding games, I'm going to say we're also thirsty for snowboarding games. Bring back Cool Boarders, uh, SSX. Uh, that'll be the next year's uh, wave sport game. Oh, yeah. that's back there you go. 64. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You got the gold border, you got the clear border. Um, yeah, Skate was announced uh, during the EA's big announcement, like conference thing that they did. Um, so along with Skate, they did you know FIFA, Madden, all those things. Yep. Um, they also revealed Star Wars Squadrons. And yeah, much with Skate, I'm skeptical about anything EA does because they've ruined so much. Exactly. Particularly the Star Wars franchises. So I understand people's skepticism with Skate Four. Um. As well as uh, the a new co-op game being made by the same creators that did A Way Out, which was that Prison Break game with those two characters. You that's played, like, right. Optional. Yep. Um, so there's going to be a new game that's going to be similar to that, or at least the same team. Um, but uh, another big announcement from the EA conference that was kind of a, just a small teaser it was definitely some Dragon Age shit. So what? They, they just showed, showed some images, like a real small teaser, not not a lot, 
but it's definitely Dragon Age. So they're working on a new Dragon Age, which is another franchise I would like to see more of, but it's also EA. So they yeah. fucked up they fucked up Dragon Age 2. Dragon Age Origins, really good. Clearly meant to be played on the PC, and then they ported it to console, because it's like a tactics, like top-down view with the combat. Yeah. Still like Bioware. Still janky as fuck at times, but god, that story and like the teammates you do and this like ensemble cast you build with that, like you really get attached to them. Like that was that was Bioware like in its Mass Effect Prime. Like that's when they were doing great stuff. Dragon Age 2, fucking hot garbage. No one likes. We all agree on that. It's yeah. fucking shit. Dragon Age Inquisition. Apparently the Xbox version was the Xbox 360 version was uh, glitchy as fuck. Uh because that's the one I had, and it was super buggy as hell. But still a good game. I still enjoyed my time with it. I still like all the characters in it. You got Dragon Age Freddy Mercury in there. You got Iron Fucking Bull, who just apparently everyone's on the on the internet's horny for him. I don't blame <laughs> him. Um but yeah, Dragon Age Inquisition. If you can get it for like PC, I guess which is the better version, or if you can still find it for a console, like hey, get that. That's fun as shit too. So Dragon Age is a cool world they built, and like I would be interested in seeing more of that. So was Inquisition the last iteration of that franchise? Yeah, that was the most recent one where you're okay. essentially like a messiah for like a god, and you're leading the Inquisition to ra- like root out these like. I forget the story. I think they're the rogue wizards from the second one or like the like there's kind of this White Walker-esque zombie horde akin to Game of Thrones. Yeah. Where they're led by like this corrupted dragon sort of figure and stuff. Um, Who knows? Maybe Dragon Age got inspired by the Game of Thrones books because it's it's very similar to the White Walkers. Um, So wait, when you say dragon, do you mean a literal dragon or somebody that calls himself the dragon? It's it's like a literal dragon that's corrupted by this like evil magic. Because I thought they um, were taking pages out of the books from the Wheel of Time, another franchise. Uh, <laughs> uh, they made a Wheel of Time video game for PC back in the nineties, and I own it, but I never was able to get it to run. And also, it's ooh, probably terrible. So I can't imagine it's good. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, but yeah, so Dragon, maybe a new Dragon Age. That would be great. A lot of people that made Bioware, what Bioware is known for, have left the company since. Like. We saw what happened with Mass Effect Andromeda, so I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, that's but, fair. You know, who knows? Maybe. Um, but skating games are back, baby. Skating games are back. <laughs> uh, oh, and man. Last one I had uh, as of this recording in two days, so the Monday this is coming out. Oh, uh, cool. They're announcing the new uh, fighter for Smash Brothers Ultimate. Ooh. And it's, a, it's a character from ARMS. That's all we know so far. Okay. But, yeah. Um, the, the, there's like two or three like characters that are assist trophies from arms. And if, if you're in smash brothers in any format, like assist trophies, you're not going to be a playable character a la Waluigi, why he's not going to be a playable character. So the big, most iconic characters from arms are assist trophies. So I'm curious of who they're going to pick. Right. My, my money's on kid Cobra. Let's come go kid Cobra. So we'll see. Cool. We'll find out on Monday. Yeah. But that's going to do it for this episode, listener. Went a little long, but that's fine. Uh, Let's wrap this one up and do some plugs. Uh, Where can our listeners find you on the internet? You have another podcast, and it's about anime? It's about anime. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at ABTSBrendan. It stands for Almost Better Than Silence, which is this show. Um, Brendan stands for him? Hmm. No, I don't stand up for myself. (laughs) Oh, Um, you can listen to uh, Our Weeb There Yet, which is my anime podcast. I do it to my friends. We watch anime and then discuss it. And 
see if it's worth uh, watching. It's it's good for people who are just curious about different shows and want a good sampler pick because we usually pick the first three episodes of a series. Yeah. So you can listen to it and be like, this sounds interesting. I want to watch this show. Or this sounds garbage. I'm glad I didn't watch this. I'm getting back into anime and especially because I'm, I re-upped my Netflix subscription. And I was going to ask you, have you watched – Oh, shit. What's it called? A Whisker Away. It's a movie, an anime movie about a cat, and I'm worried it's going to be a Marley and Me situation. <laughs> and I have cats, and I'm like, this is going to hit way too okay, close too to real. home. Too yeah. real. Um, no, because that just came out recently, like this yes. week. So I haven't watched that one yet. Um, from what I could tell, though, it seems like Your Name, that movie. Yeah. But with a cat. So instead of a body swap, I think the girl transforms into a cat. Okay, that, I did watch a trailer, and that's kind of the same vibe I got, too. So I, that's yeah. one I do want to watch, since I am a cat daddy. <laughs> Ugh, still hate that term. I know, we that's like coined by us, right? Yeah, basta. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, listen to Are We There Yet? We're on a bit of a hiatus right now, but we got like 90 episodes you could go back through and listen, so. Yeah, find your favorite. Yeah. And listener, if you like our show, give us a like, follow, subscribe. We're findable at all the places at ABT Silence. Um, not even going to talk about Twitch. And I have a record label. <laughs> it's MissedOutRecords.com if you want to see what's for sale there. I got some cool vinyls. Ah, oh, it's unfortunate. One of the international releases I participated in, it, I... God, I think this was should have been here in 2019. The vinyl just arrived uh, maybe a week ago, and it's all warped to hell. And I think oh, it's because no. whoever had the box, like UPS or whatever, left it in the sun or something. And now oh, I geez. think there's a way that, like, at least everything as far as packaging and like these are uh, these come with like special little booklets of like lyrics and stuff. I think there's a way that I can flatten the warped vinyl in my oven, but I'm gonna have to <laughs> experiment with that with like glass panels and stuff so i'm hoping yeah. i can do that before i sell them but otherwise i'll be selling them and at, at an extreme discount like you can still play them but it's not gonna look pretty but that's just something i'd update it's uh, for a band called amalia bloom they're a really cool band but uh yes. just wanted to throw that out there and yeah we'll be back next week hopefully we'll be hearing from some of our other co-hosts soon i think whitney said she'll be free sometime so we look forward to hearing from her and look forward to having you back next week see you guys see you